You're now entering a restricted zone. Welcome to Area 52. What's up, everybody? Welcome back once again to the Area 52 podcast, deep underground here at the Area so 52. Deep. So deep. <laughs> In the underground. Oh, I so thought Eric was going to get right on yeah, that one. Right? So, yeah. yeah I mean, everybody here should have been. Yeah. I have matured. Over the last several minutes. Okay. Yeah. I'm not making that jokes sounds like so that disgusting. Anymore. Yeah, I don't. Please don't, <laughs> please don't please, mature yeah, next to me. I don't want me. you to mature next to my wife. This is <laughs> mature on your own time, pal. All right. Um, but here we are. We're back again. Episode. Hey guys. Nineteen. Nineteen. So we wow. got we got one more till the big two o. Almost out of the teens. Fifth, area fifty two. Ooh, and then 0. on our twenty first one, we can actually start bringing alcohol in. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right? Is that how it works? You have to do twenty one podcasts <laughs> yeah, yeah, before you okay. get drunk. I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> he just does other weird, <laughs> creepy things. You only, you only. He sins in other you ways. You only drink the drink the blood of the innocent. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it's weird that like you you can be like you don't drink alcohol, you don't smoke weed, you don't but you you probably strangle prostitutes. I'm almost certain that you Jack the Ripley. Yeah. Jack the Ripley. <laughs> <laughs> Fairly certain oh, that that's not even Jack in the, the Bible. Dice oh, Jack the Ripley got out of her. She was never the same what he got done with her. <laughs> I, so welcome back. I'm, I'm half joking. Uh, I think if I choke, people, I'm I'd fully make this, scared. This yeah. really weird noise when I did it. Like, yeah, well, no, I don't want to know the noises oh. you make about it. Like, oh, yeah, those are very terrifying. personal. Thoughts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are... please stop. All right, <laughs> candy, candy over there. <laughs> It's, it sounds. It, it also kind of sounds like a like a like a a dove taking off. Oh, it like does. A, yeah. yeah. Okay, you listen. <laughs> we're not gonna turn this into a goddamn sound effects fest. Old. Michael yeah. Winslow. 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 <laughs> All right. Um, over the last uh, the last few weeks, we've had a lot of fun on the different. Um, topics you know we've kind of had a few where uh, last week was really fun we want to uh say thanks once again to our good friend melissa merlot oh yeah for she was on. such a blast to um, have we actually listened to the, i mean to i don't know how many of you there are but we're at least two of the people who listen to this podcast <laughs> yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause yeah. I, I went back we went back and listened to it because a lot of times we'll get in these conversations like twice yeah and it i was, was gonna say fun we listened episode. to it like two or th- two, two three times two yeah at least two yeah and uh and it was fun to kind of listen back because it was um, it was just this kind of natural conversation that happened. Yeah, and um, and we had a lot of fun this week. We 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 kind of wanted to get back to um, a topic that uh, somebody sent in. We've had a few people request us to do this topic, and we started getting into it and realizing that there's a lot to this. So we kind of want to get back to one but of our it's, episodes. It's so weird how there's so much, yet it almost makes it so simple. Yeah, it's it, so. Well, you, You'll you see. said something. It seems said, very fictional. Like yeah. it's like it's from a, like a movie. It does. Yes. It sounds. Like, it sounds. Yeah. yeah. It's almost fake. too perfect. Yeah. Oh, so you kind of go right. You kind of get. You kind of go. If the if this is real, and if if then the people who make the movies would be aware of this because they're yeah. dealing with mm-hmm. you know. 
So let's not actually let's kind of explain to you guys into what it. we're talking about back. this week. If this was in a movie, right. I'd be like, that's so dumb. That would never no, happen. Because it'd be so <laughs> easy. You go, oh, oh that's yeah. so, so simple. Why would yeah. anyone allow that yeah. to happen? Yep. And what we're talking about is the Rothschilds family. Now, many of you might not have ever even heard of the Rothschilds family. They are um, the wealthiest family on earth. They are the oldest uh, living modern banking family still together. And some people believe that they rule the world, that they actually control the entire world. If there is an Illuminati... It might not be secret. It might not be some new world order that's super secret. We've talked about the Illuminati. We've mm-hmm. talked about the new world order. But it might just be as simple as a family who has so much money and influence that they have literally been behind every single war, political move, and uh, dollar that has ever changed hands in the modern world. Now, that sounds insane. You're right. Somewhat. I mean, but you can also imagine that if we know how much influence uh, Congress or um, the president or any of those kinds of uh, people have, and we have to say, well, these people have even more money than them. Right. We're we're talking like hundreds of billions of dollars. More money than countries together. Then how can you not have a global influence? But again, it, it sounds... The idea that somebody could get to that sounds insane. The the numbers that that have been tossed around of their net worth are anywhere from uh, hundreds of billions of dollars to trillions. One hundred trillion, I think, was the highest. I trillions of dollars. Anywhere from three hundred fifty billion to one hundred trillion was kind of the numbers I had seen most. And they said that the reason why they don't ever show up on those money lists is because they just it's all just spread out over so many different things. Yes, so they stay off all the Forbes lists and things like that. They have a lot of personal holdings. And what we're gonna do is a lot of this is kind of. It's a lot to take in. We have done a lot of research, all, all three of us, over the last few days to kind of understand this. So we're going to walk you through the process. Um, there is a lot of financial terms. There's a lot of jargon and things like that. We're going to explain it to you. We're going to walk you through how these guys started and how it walks up to, to even today. Okay? So let's basically just start at the beginning. It all began with the founder, kind of the founder of this banking family, uh, a gentleman named Meyer Amschel Rothschild. Um, He was the founder of this family, and he had five sons. Um, And he sent his sons out. Like, he had this wealth, and he built these these connections, and he sent his five sons in five directions. He sent them to big cities all across Europe to go make banking mm-hmm. connections, to go make money, yeah. to go make... He was, um, he was spreading it out so he could put as many, you know, missionaries for his right. his cause. That was kind of a dumb uh, <laughs> analogy. Eric's like, listen. Yeah. No, look, as <laughs> no. somebody that went out as a missionary. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? I mean, he was spreading he people out in all those areas so he could right. go, I'm going to put an, est- an establishment, so to speak, right. um, well, in these areas. This was the guy who said, 
I don't care about I don't care what kind of government you have. If I have right. the banks, I have the power. Right. Well, right. it was okay. essentially yeah. yes. His his comment. We're not going to quote fingers that one. His, was close. his yeah. comment was. Yeah. was <laughs> this is the exact quote that was said, and it was actually said by Nathan Rothschild. Now Nathan Rothschild, let me let me explain this first. Nathan Rothschild uh, was essentially the the son who was responsible for probably the the most important move that the Rothschilds ever made. Um, there's a lot of controversy about this move because uh, if the reports are true about how he made his money, then this is this is considered shady. very shady. Yes. Okay. Now here's how it goes. In um, in the early 1900s, when the when the Battle of Waterloo took place, which I, I want to say is like what 1918. Mm. Eric's gonna look it we up looked right, right now. But it, it, the, it, the year that the no, it uh, could have been 1918. No, it, no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. I meant 18. I want to be sure on this. In fact, let's just kind it of. It was 1815 Sunday. 1815. 18th of June, 1815. 1815. Right. That's what I meant. So 1815, right? Uh, there wasn't Twitter. There wasn't any way to get news quickly. So what does Nathan do? He takes his his money, his influence, right? And he gets the fastest horses, the best couriers, and he finds out the outcome of the Battle of Waterloo before anyone else knew it. Now, that's not that's not necessarily wrong. He, he, he did something. No, it's he just, just the first news story there. That's right? what he did. Now, when he got that news back that Napoleon had been defeated, what did he do? He turned around and sold all of his English bonds. And then he told anybody else who came to him for advice, as a person who was a financial advisor, he told everybody else that Napoleon had won and that the market was in disaster. Sell him now. Everything's going to crash. So everybody out there sold his stuff. Sold their British, sold their bonds. The market fell out. The bottom fell out of the market. And once it did, he bought back everything he could. And basically, inside of three days of trading, he he uh, multiplied his wealth by twenty times. Whoa! Ended up controlling the British market and, in effect, controlling the central bank of oh England. Oh my gosh. That's like such a genius idea. Like would he have done the opposite like if Napoleon had won or would his plan only work if Napoleon lost? I well, would, no, like, no, he knew the outcome. So what he did was he he didn't guess. No, no, he, I'm saying but I'm saying I was like some like, Biff Tannen shit, you yeah. know. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But no, he just had a guy that was in the in, was at the battle and when it was over, that dude on the fastest horse that could be paid for with Rothschild's money yeah. was sent back to him directly and said, hey, nobody else is going to know about this for like two days. Napoleon lost. And then he made he made yeah. his choices based on the fact that he already knew that the war was over and told everybody that it, it was the opposite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have been a different game if they but, were texting back then. They could have been like, Yo, you know, we lost. LOL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no. But my question would be: Is if that, I think it would have been like Napoleon a, a sad face emoticon. Well, then that guy comes then back the, on the horse. Like, what's? I'm just curious what the well, other plan. Or did right. he come up with that when he's like, wait a minute, if we I won? Think, yeah, I see what you're saying. That maybe yeah. that's right because if Napoleon had won, then yeah. Europe would have been different. Yeah, and we don't know what would have happened. However, we do know that as they have done in other, all other skirmishes. Let's be fair. The Rothschilds funded both. 
sides of the war. The Duke of Wellington and Napoleon yep. in the Battle of Waterloo. Yep. They and they knew that that was so beneficial to them to fund both sides of the war. Well, so and, I mean that was kind of something that they and here's began how they, doing. And here's and here's what ends up happening is not only does Nathan Rothschild and his family, the Rothschilds, become massively wealthy inside of days off of this thing. They also become the single largest creditor to the English government, which is how they got control over the Bank of England, meaning mm. that all of these debts were then owed now to them. To them. them. They yep. were going to collect, okay? Um, meaning that they also collect the interest right, on that, so, so there's also money in that. Right. English bonds are a debt guaranteed by future tax revenues of the English government. So the taxes that the citizens paid were going to pay the 8% interest that the English government had to pay to borrow the money. Okay, so yep. Nathan Rothschild now controlled the majority of the English bonds, and he could literally determine the price and the supply of English currency, which gave him complete power over the country's finances. Yep. Then he famously said, and here's the quote. This is the quote that he said. Now, knowing like how much that the, that the British respect the royal family, this is an interesting quote. He said, I care not what puppet is placed on the throne of England to rule the empire, the man who controls Britain's money supply controls the British Empire, and I control the British money supply. Wow. And if you think about it, this is where it begins. In the 1800s, a family has already figured out that if they can make money, and now, here's the, here, we all know this, right? If It's really hard for you and I to make a billion dollars. Because we don't have, we've, what do we got? I can't, I mean, yes, if you work really hard, maybe you can turn your hundred into a thousand. But as you start exponentially going up, if you make a million dollars, it's probably not hard to make $10 million. And if you have $10 million, it's probably not as difficult to make a hundred million. And if you may have a billion dollars, 50 billion, a hundred billion, this is, it's just not that mm. difficult. So now they've got so much money, control over the British empire, yeah. control over their currency, they're the single largest creditor. They own the bank and they control the market. Yeah. And I mean, they had like this huge house uh, and someone saw the house and, you know, and they said, kings could not afford that house. That has to be a Rothschild. And it was just this, I mean, this giant Jeez. elaborate home. So, I mean, that's even, even the society began to understand that these people were larger than the government essentially well what's scary is like that quote like shows that that guy understood how much power he had yep. exactly and that he liked the power yep but and so what does what does now that now they control the central bank of england now they control england what do they start doing they start saying hey let's control the central bank of everything they, and they did i think it's funny that this all happened because napoleon lost and they essentially almost became like Napoleon of, of banking and business. They just like expanded and yeah. grew because he lost. Yeah. So they're like, all right, well, all right, our time to, to reign now. Like, and that's, and that's exactly, reigning is exactly the right term to use because that's what they this do. This is a reign. As of right now, and, and to be honest, there's so much to cover here. And when we do these podcasts and we're trying to give you information, I want you all to understand that we get this from going out there and and looking this stuff up and reading and watching things that are on YouTube and understanding, trying to do our best, I'm sorry, to understand all of this. But there's a lot more to this. There is mm -hmm. tons of history. Um, we could go one by one through each one of the brothers of the Rothschilds. We could go one by one through how they got every bank uh, up till today. But what we want to do is put these ideas, give you guys kind of the spark, and then 
uh, we encourage you, literally, go out and look more of this stuff up and get deeper into the history of this There's family. There's just so much. There's so much. There's so much. Know this. As of today, as of today, the Rothschilds own the central bank of every country in the entire world except, except three. three. That's it. Now, in 2000... There were four other countries that were also on that list. So let's kind of go back to 2000. Let's talk about these four before we tell you what the three remaining are. In 2000, Afghanistan, Iraq, Sudan, and Libya were all also on this list. There were seven banks remaining in 2000. Those were four of them. Not too long ago, we talked about... Uh, we did a two-part episode on 9-11, September 11th, 2001. Just one year after President Bush was placed into office, we have this giant event that causes us to first go ahead and uh, invade Afghanistan in, uh, in 2001, and then Iraq in 2003. The theory, the theory goes that the Rothschilds, who control the Federal Reserve here in the United States, yep. which we will explain to you what the Federal fed, Reserve is. not owned by the federal government. No, nope, it is owned by the Rothschilds, uh, meaning they control our money, Yes, meaning they can basically tell us to every do whatever day, they want. Every single day they dictate the value of the dollar. Of the dollar. And we're... Uh, and, and, you and, know, and you say, you go, you guys are crazy. They could never make a president do something except that they have, and we're going to go through it. But the idea, the theory behind this is that if you control all of the money, then you control the governments. And if you need to have a... Because the Rothschilds don't have an army. They don't have tanks and soldiers. They're a family. What they have is money and influence. So what they... The theory... And again, I'm not going to say this is what they do. But if you control our money and you can put a squeeze on our economy and you can cause depressions and you can cause inflation and you can do whatever you want and control the amount of currency that's in our market, they can kind of, they kind of got everybody by the balls. Yeah. So if they needed Iraq and Afghanistan to finally fall so they could finally control those, com- those countries' central banks, then why not just get your buddies, the United States to do it? You well, know, the, Well, I don't even know if it's your buddies. I think Mm -hmm. we're their puppets. So the federal government does not own the Federal Reserve. It's owned by the Rothschild family. And the way that it works is they will release bonds to the U.S. government, you know, for a certain amount. And then there is a taxable amount of interest on that. So the interest is so high that every time that we borrow from them, we will never be able to pay back what our national debt is because we're already borrowing more and having an interest rate on top of that. Right. So I don't think it's that much of a stretch to think that, because I mean, that stuff happens all the time in politics. Like how many times do you, is it like, hey, we really need this bill to pass. Like, all right, well, my campaign could use some money. Like yep. that kind of stuff is just, that's how it works. Right. Yep. So if it's you donations. have all of the money, yeah. then you have and, more power than yep. And let's face it. Uh, we're it's not even money. There's resources that they are in control yeah. of as well. Right. I mean, that's if the terrifying have... thing is if you have money, you can control water, you can control food supply, right. you can control electricity. I mean, it's it's really terrifying. And if more you... so, it's the resources. And if you look throughout history, and if you go back and you realize that they've been on the on the both sides financially of literally every crisis because they own the banks, the central banks, the resources. And here, see, think about this: if you own the central bank, if you own the money, if you control the money. 
uh, of, of a country, right? So, you know, there was one example, like in Mexico, where they controlled the, the money in Mexico, and Mexico had this big financial crisis, and so they owed billions of dollars to the people who control their money, right? The, the people they borrow from. I mean, you go, yeah. okay, where do governments get money? They're not just sitting in a building printing it off. There, there's... They borrow money. I mean, we don't have. Why, why That's is the, why we have a national why, debt. Yes, we're in debt. Now, just like all of you out there who are in debt, if you don't pay your car payment, what happens? If you don't pay your house payment, what happens? If you pay, buy a TV and you don't pay for it, what happens? They come to your house and they take it away. They come to you at some point and say, hey, you need to pay us. Well, I don't have the money. We, we, uh, we're in trillion dollar debt. Okay, we'll tell you what. What we'll do then is we'll seize your assets. Right. That would happen if you foreclosed on a house, they would seize your assets. So like you're saying, like what happened in Mexico, they have this financial crisis. They come in, the Rothschilds come in and say, fine, if you can't pay us, we'll control your railroads. Which means now we control shipping, which means now we control the flow of everything, which means now we control this. And the U.S., when you step back and you go, these guys literally control our money at the top. So the trickle down idea of what else they own what other industries they own. Yeah. That's why you were talking about it, the holdings being spread out over all these different things because it's not that the Rothschilds are just controlling the world. It's that they own all of the things that make the world go. Yeah. So it's not ridiculous to think that if, and like we talked about in our episode, if 9-11 was indeed an inside job, somebody had to pay for it. Right. It could have either been the government that lost all that money or it could have been somebody outside trying to get influence because we need a reason to turn against the Muslims and invade Afghanistan. Well, and I mean, Iraq. there was a trillions of dollars worth of missing money related to 9-11. So what what that money has to do with, whether it's military use or another secret level of an operation that's going on there is missing money involved i just that was not necessarily borrowed it was what we were supposed right. to have had so we well but then that's the thing is that when you're dealing with these billions and these trillions of dollars as a taxpayer and they just go missing or you go where did this money come from or oh somebody just gave you 200 million dollars for mm-hmm. your campaign we just go well well, hey, we're just we're just citizens. Where did the Denver International Airport come from? Right, right. Federal government didn't pay for that. It's right. not a federally These private it's not, donors. It's not owned by Who the federal government. About? That's the one that people say looks like a hall or the swastika, right? Well, there's, the Denver Airport. No, the Denver Airport looks like a circus tent. Yeah, it looks uh, like but, a big circus. But, but the point is that it's, there's a lot of weird things in there. Uh, there's of, like a mural inside that looks towards, very New World ordery. Yeah. It's got no, you no, know, no, kind of like a guy with a gas mask. It looks like a swastika. Does like it? a bird's eye view. I think it's the Denver airport. I don't, I don't know. But point being is that somebody, some some yeah. secretive donor. But I mean, and while we're on the, the Denver airport, just because I brought it up, I let's be honest. If I had Rothschild money, I would want to have an airport. I would want to have a way that I could get in or and out of things like that. Right. But let's be fair. I could not have doesn't matter how rich you are. I still couldn't just have my own airport out in the middle of a field because I couldn't have the same security regulations and the, you know, the connecting international flights and things like that. Right. It has to be regulated. And correct, can, Eric? Is that not correct? Uh, yeah, you have to have, if you're flying international, you have to have uh, customs. Right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you you'd have to have a, that same kind of security regulation. And so but also you, you would... The, as. I was just going to say, but also the citizens would never stand for a private uh, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. If I had Rothschild money and I was smart... I would have a public 
Right. Exactly. You. Have, I would you have, have a public, public so uh, that airport you shut it that down was mine right, that exactly. I owned. Yes. Yeah. And it would have all of my stuff. And yes, it's run by me. I funded it. It's a publicly running one because that's the perfect but cover. But I need isn't it to the, be, isn't it's the mine. mint there where they print the money? Isn't the mint in Denver? I don't know I've, I've that, the Denver actually. Mint. I've heard. I, I think it, it is. I think, I think that's where they print and money. Not the kind they leave on your pillows, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. that, that's Sorry, interesting. If that's if that's. But um, but underneath the Denver International Airport, there's tons of you know huge tunnels. You could essentially call them catacombs if you wanted, and they say that there are a lot of things like a mass amount of water supply or food supply that can last for years. And you go, well, what's that for? And right. it it's got to be for the elite. And I mean, it's not that shocking because you kind of have to rationalize it in that sense. Right. And, and, and again, these are, these are theories. These are, these are ideas. So, but yes, that's, that's the idea is that you would have so much money that you could do literally anything you want. You can have your own airport. You can influence a country to do a false flag so that you can invade a country for the wrong reason and turn a nation against an entire people. Yes. These ideas are out there. The, now the other two countries that were on the list in the year 2000 were Libya and the Sudan, which both in Northern Africa, which the other part of the theory goes that the, the Rothschilds used their influence this time to get the UN, which after, you know, in the early two thousands ended up intervening in conflicts in those countries because you can't just keep going to the U S and have us just go to war with every single country, right? You got to get somebody else. So now the UN intervenes, and by 2003, Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, and Sudan were all, the central banks were all under control of the Rothschilds, which left, and still to this day, leaves the final three that are on the list. Now, the, fi- the final three that are on the list are... See if you can guess them, just in your head. Yeah. Uh, we'll give I, you a I second. Want, yeah, like, like just maybe see Take if you can second. like... See, and then see if you're right. There's the, three remaining countries where this family does not own the central bank. You, you got a Denver Mint? Uh, yeah, the Denver Mint does print money, but it's only coins. It doesn't do paper money, but oh. they do make coins there. That's for where they go and they dive in like Scrooge McDuck yeah. and they swim yep. and they blow out <laughs> pennies. Maybe that's because it's actual real. I mean, the coins are actually real uh, tangible things that we hold where yeah. paper money is a representation of what the value of what we have backing it is. So hmm. maybe that's why we're allowed to print coins and it's not something that's issued by the Rothschild family. If that make, Does that make sense with what I'm saying? It does make sense. It's All an right. interesting point. Okay, now you guys thought about it. Here's the last three that are on the list. Here we go. Okay. Iran, Cuba, and North Korea. Okay. Now, you listen to that and you go, oh, sure, it makes sense. They're three pissed off countries. They're yeah. three countries that that don't really play well with others. Mm-hmm. Communism too. But, but at the same time, you also go, where have our focuses been? Where yeah. where have we turned our focus where to? Where have we not we yet got invaded done with Iraq and Afghanistan? So where are we looking now? Iran, right? But here's the thing: over the last couple of years, we may have turned our our they may have turned their tactics in a different direction. Because what's happened over the last even uh, 18 like months. Recent, recently, Obama. we have lifted our embargo. Go ahead. Oh, Finish against Cuba. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. They did. They, the, Obama has actually now tried a different tactic. He's reaching out to people. We're not going to go to war. We're not going to try to, uh, you know, invade Cuba. We're not going to go to war with Cuba. So let's reach out to them. And we did. And our embargo's lifted. And now we're improving relations. And guess what? That just means we send somebody down there. And then at some point, somebody goes down and goes, let's talk about money. And then eventually, Cuba's bank goes under. And then there would be two. Now, Iran is a very contentious place. But 
Obama reached out to Iran this past year as well. And Iran was like, hey, we'll talk. So maybe if those two fall, it would leave one left. And that's North Korea. Now, we all remember that North Korea was kind of basically blamed for the whole Sony hack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And nothing ever came of that. Like, it was kind of one of those, it seemed almost like a, like a tactic. Like, if that had been real. Like, they were testing the right, water to but see like, if it could work. Think about that. If that had been real, there would have been a, been a thing. Like, why wouldn't, we said, hey, they did it. We're coming after you. I yeah, don't remember Obama what was happened. Like, we will yeah. make them pay. What happened? Did they pay? Did anybody pay? I just I, remember Rodman went over there. Right? I don't, yeah, I don't I don't remember. We haven't done I anything. Right? So it was almost like they were, like you said, testing the waters. Yeah. Like, like, ooh, let's see what we can do to maybe get North Korea, you know. Some ruffle some feathers, yeah, you know, or, with or us or and maybe North Korea. They'll go, and just, you know, oh, we didn't do it. Hey, let's talk. You know, like, it it just seemed like a real kind of passive aggressive, you you did something. It's like when that crazy that girlfriend can't... sends that text, you just, I'm just going to see if he responds. Yeah. Just to say something crazy. <laughs> Who are you with? Yeah. What? Or like, just say like, oh, I didn't actually mean to send that to you. That was for my yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just did. to see if they'll respond. Like, just like a weird like psycho girlfriend. Passive weird psycho yeah, shit. that's America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the CIA. Yeah. But no, but Sounds seriously, like if, if, if you look at that, right, and you go, okay, if if we're if we're going to be friends with Cuba and we're improving Iration, uh, I'm sorry, Irations relations with Iran, which Irations, would be Irations, and, which would be Irations, yeah. our rations, yeah. But if you improve Iration, I can't do it. Now. <laughs> I'll say it for you. If you improve our relations with Iran, yeah. If you have relations with Iran, uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, so if we can improve relations with Iran and improve relations with Cuba and it leaves North Korea, then that means that whatever, and, and look, we're going to say this, that we are in the middle of 2016. It's, uh, what is it, August? We're going to say, I believe. I'm going to say that you're going to watch whatever the next president is. You're going to start seeing the focus on the places that still remain mm. on the Rothschilds list. Yep. If you think about it, the Rothschilds, uh, the Rothschilds. Now, here's the thing. Their current head of the Rothschilds family right now is a gentleman named Sir Evelyn de Rothschild. Okay? Do you have to be you, you have to earn the title sir? Is that like given to you by the queen or I something? I think he was actually well, knighted, knighted, right? Well, you know, you, do you know why he might have been knighted? Because he is actually the personal financial advisor to Queen Elizabeth. Uh, oh, okay. So he's, that's right. I was going to say so that's why Yeah, like he was probably sir. knighted just because the, he gave her money the, to be knighted. The, the gold the gold that belongs to the British Empire has the Rothschild's goddamn family stamp on it. Yep. Jeez. He, the, she asks permission to go see her money. Eey. Like, it's fucking... You gotta go... You go... A, a queen is... I mean, and to understand the royal family, the reason the royal family is is, is rich and as royal as they are is because back years and years ago in, in King Arthur times and when they were splitting up Europe and dukes and people like that, what it was was it was about land. Who controlled the land? And the British family is the largest land-owning family. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay? So they own land. And then, like... The Duke of Earl and the Duke of... They, they would be the guys who would go out and I control this region. And then, like, the idea was that the peasants would pay the taxes and the taxes would go to the crown and the crown would build the empire and blah, blah, blah. So they own all the land, right? That's why the British royal family is so rich. But the Rothschilds seem to own the British royal family, which yeah. then, then you go, okay, well, if they can control something... 
Think about that. There's not a lot of empires left. Most people have converted over to kind of like, we don't have empires. We don't have kings and queens. Yeah. But they have for fucking years. Yeah. Like this Ever. is, this is, this is the shit you read about the swords and stuff. This is their grandpas and stuff. This happened. And now they're still here, a still an empire. And you go, that's fucking impressive. That's amazing that a queen still exists, right? Of a giant empire that controls, you know, and has influence yeah. all throughout And she's Europe. on money in Canada. Is she? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. On Canadian money and Australia, I think. Oh, Suck yeah. it up and get your own money. <laughs> Point being, though, <laughs> pussies. That, that's doesn't even matter. Because she has a dude yeah, who, who owns her money. Yeah. Okay. Now... I need to get a family crest. Maybe if my family had a crest, we would have this kind of power. I think most families do. Like, you can like look it up at Oktoberfest or something. Really? Like that. Yeah, actually, no. I know really? the website. I can look up mine. Yeah, like you just I type have in a, your last name, and it'll like. Yes, yeah, like crest. if you can kind of, if up. you can kind of like let them know, like you know where you stuff like that. But like I typed it in, and like you know, let them know like your family, where your family's from. Like my, I did my grandfather's side. He's from Sicily, so like I looked it up, and you can see your family crest, like of your of your name. Eric's is just gonna be like like. Some pale dude in a shawl, like hiding from a fight, <laughs> shaking. Yeah, <laughs> your family, Friar Tuck oh, robe, the Ripley, the Ripley clan. <laughs> they hid from every great battle in history. <laughs> oh man. Um. Now we've talked a lot. Let me, let's let's take a second because I don't want to start pounding you guys with information. Uh, Easy on the phrasing. <laughs> phrasing, Lana. <laughs> I don't want to start just just giving you guys so much information without you guys kind of understanding how the economy works. So we, we watched a couple videos and there's a couple, there's a couple of them out there that were very interesting. They're short, they're about two minutes long. Um, and I, I thought, well, I could, t I could kind of write out what this dude says and explain it to you, or I could play this two minute video and kind yeah. of let you, and I figured these guys did, did a good enough job that I'm just going to, better than we could. Yeah. So fair. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, uh, play this video if I can. So this video will kind of lay out and kind of explain what they refer to as the Federal Federal Reserve scam. So this is what this is. Uh, here you go. Imagine a sunset. Let's say the United States <laughs> needs money. Instead of issuing their own United States notes backed by their own credit, they issue treasury bonds. They then sell these bonds to the Federal Reserve, which buys them with money they created out of thin air. The money that the Fed created then goes to the U.S. The U.S. then pays interest on the money that the Fed lent to the Treasury. So to clarify, the Fed creates money from nothing, loans that money to the U.S., and then charges interest on that money. What this means is that there is never and will never be enough money in circulation or in existence to pay back that debt. We as a country, as well as private citizens, are forever enslaved by debt with no way of ever paying it off. Now when the Federal Reserve buys bonds on Wall Street, the major financial firms that have been selected as dealers deposit the proceeds at their own banks. Fed rules require banks to keep 10% of their deposits in reserves, but the bank is free to issue loans equal to the remaining 90%. Let's say the Federal Reserve buys a $1,000 bond. After putting away 10% into their reserves, they are then able to loan out 90% or $900. Since the original $1,000 is still on deposit, the $900 in loan proceeds is more new money, money created out of nothing. A total of $1,900 of new money is now available in the economy. Now the person that took the $900 loan spends that money. 
The payee then deposits the $900 into their bank account and once again reserves and deposits increase. This process goes on and on until that original $1,000 bond, which was created from nothing, becomes $10,000, making this one full-fledged debt machine while also devaluing the dollar. The more money that is out in the economy, the more the value decreases. There's no wonder that since the implementation of the Federal Reserve in 1913, the dollar has lost over 95% of its value. The That's US dollar will eventually be destroyed lot. due to an overwhelming Ugh. financial crisis and a globalist-run monetary so authority cents, will come along to save the day. And much like the Fed pretends that its goal is to prevent another Great Depression, the global currency will pledge to prevent another financial crisis, thus putting more power into the hands of a few and enslaving humanity that much more. That music was like sca- making me scared of like the actual dollar bill. Like it was going to attack me. Here's here's the Do you guys th- get all that? Here's the thing that that's so that's so scary about what he says at the end that if the dollar keeps losing its value because we just keep spending degrading it hollow money that's not backed by anything other than our debt to these people who pull the strings behind the scenes then eventually our economy will completely crash and our money will be worth nothing. It will be worth nothing. You know how you guys go, how, how, but it's still a hundred dollars. Well, yeah, but it doesn't mean anything if a banana costs a hundred dollars. Like when you go to, you go to like a place like Mexico and you go, how much is this thing? It's 40,000 pesos or six cents. <laughs> I'm not being, I'm, well, I'm not being mean. I'm yeah. saying that the peso is not a really there's nothing backing yeah, the no peso. Value it doesn't it, yeah. value it. So that's when you think about why money matters, that's why, guys. That's why that means that. That's what that means. That one day, if we keep up this ridiculous process that we're doing. Not to mention the country that has, I mean, like, it's oil prices and things like that are based on the value of a dollar and which country has the higher dollar. So if, if the Chinese dollar is worth more than the U.S. dollar, then shit goes bad. Right. So now you're you're kind of looking at this 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 world where our money wouldn't be worth anything. Well, the head of the Rothschilds has said in the past that the uh, that the the oper- or the opportune goal, the final destination for all this is to eventually just create a world currency that we all use. And you go, "Okay, well, I mean, think about it." I'm not going to I'm not going to be like immediately like new world order illuminati we're all the same. You kind of go, well, if you control all the banks, sure, you don't want these guys spending loonies and these guys spending liras and these guys spending this shit and these yeah. guys spending that shit. You'd go, "Okay, everybody, this is $10." This but then then at the same time you're then going, "But that is the Illuminati. Well, yeah. and then things happen like, well, a banana costs way more over here because it was imported and it wasn't grown in the right. country that it was grown in. Right. So you almost can't have things be the same currency because of where they lie and right. imports and exports then, and, and things and like that. So then you have then it just things delivered. in different places right. costing different amounts and people going, it's not fair that it costs way more here, even though things like that right. exist and right then now. You still will have poor imports, countries yeah. and you'll still have you'll still have regions, but it's so you'll just have the elites who have more of this one currency 
and everybody else has less of the one. So you, this, this isn't that far-fetched from the idea of a new world order. When you hear of the Illuminati, when we talked about new world order, it was about having one solid government, one control, one thing. And you go, well, that sounds crazy because no one can really do this. Except the idea that if there's a family that controls every bank. Now, this isn't conspiracy theory. They fucking do. It's that three. Right. Like, they think about that. No, I, right. It's too hard so to think about, really. if you control the money and the economy and the influx of currency, think about that. If if they just decided one day, right, if they, if they walked up to some president and said, hey, you know, uh, we want you to do something for us or we're going to make no more, there's not going to be any more money and we're going to shut down all the ATMs on a Wednesday and watch your whole... Uh, country panic for an entire week. Here's this is like a, could. something that I, this is more of just me being anal retentive on like how this works. Please like say anal. Sorry, this is me <laughs> of being um, butthole retentive. Yeah, butthole okay. retentive. My favorite thing, retentive. Um, <laughs> anyway, people often ask. Sorry, how, like I'm, I'm queuing up the next video. I want to know like the inner workings of like at, from a business standpoint like do the Rothschilds get together at, like family barbecues and like plan all this out like how yes. does that no, go no, down that's the yeah Bilderberg they group. do have a... that's the fucking Bilderberg group that's all these 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 secretive meetings that, that we that you can't go to that happen every year where all the politicians in the world and all the people go and they go off into the woods and they fucking wear masks and they do weird shit and they talk about this and people I mean go, there's pictures from like the Rothschild Christmas family from like 1976 and like wearing... the wife like wearing this big, you know, deer head antler apparatus I looking saw thing. That. I that yeah, was fake. no, those are no, fucking that's real. real. Those are pictures yeah. from those old parties. Yeah. They, it's like that eyes wide shut Illuminati bullshit. Holy that's what crap, these groups man. are. The fucking Masons. The fucking yes, like I was saying, the Denver International Airport. No one knows who funded this, and they just have like this plaque. I don't know if it's like out front or where it's located, but, but it's got it's like it's kind of like this was dedicated to blah blah blah, and it's got the Mason. It uh, also has some weird the Mason soldier symbol on oh, there's, too, there's right? all sorts of murals. In yeah, fact, like we I can said, talk it was, about the Denver you know what, here's what we're going to do. I'm actually going to have Eric or Mark, any someone tweet it out or Instagram it, whatever they want. I'll find the mural pictures for yeah, you. They're creepy yeah. as shit. We'll um, put those out. Maybe I, you've been through the Denver International Airport and you've seen that or you've seen the gargoyle coming out of the suitcase or just... There's yeah, just there's really, really, really weird, 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 interesting. I mean, that you go, that you ask yourself, why would anyone put this in a public setting where there's children and 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 the public goes through? There has to be a reason. It's not right. just art. There's there's meaning behind it. So to answer your question, though, Eric, about the secret meetings, yeah. right? This always goes back to being secret meetings. In fact, and I'll this next video. It's interesting that you brought this up. The next video actually covers it. The way that the Federal Reserve was actually created was. A secret meeting. Question. Why is the world being defrauded, deceived, manipulated, enslaved? What is the root cause? The root cause is the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve was created in a secret meeting of political and banking elites at a private resort on Jekyll Island in Georgia, 1912. The conspirators attended in seal railway cars and only used their first names so that the servants would have no way of identifying the men. From their own memoirs, these men admitted to their conspiratorial plans. Out of this secret meeting came the most powerful privately and foreign-owned corporation the world has ever known. Through its control of our money, the elite that own the Fed control other banks, assets, corporations, media, politicians, militaries, and ultimately you. The Federal Reserve is the head of the snake, the root cause of the entire enslavement of humanity. The Fed system is designed to imprison us through never-ending debt, 
and fool us into believing our money has value when it is in fact worthless, backed by nothing, based on debt, created out of thin air, recipe for enslavement. And this system was also designed to one day crash. The debt bubble we are currently living in is unimaginably large, and when it bursts, the world is going to experience financial chaos like it has never seen before, and it is only a matter of time. Were it not for this insidious, privately owned organization, we would be living in a completely different world and reality. In the end, things really didn't have to turn out this way. We did not have to adopt a debt-based financial system. We did not have to allow the bankers to enslave us all with debt. But our government allowed this to happen. They gave them the power to issue our currency, ultimately giving them the ultimate power over us. And this was the plan all along. Now, there's an interesting tie-in. I don't know if he's going to... Did you know? Yeah, he's... Okay, so this is the interesting tie-in. There... There seems to be, now, I'm, we'll, we'll just kind of let this theory kind of sit out here because it ties into what this dude's saying, but there, there seems to be some sort of tie-in between the sinking of the Titanic and the forming of the Federal Reserve. I'll let, I'll let this guy explain it. The sinking of the Titanic led to the creation of the Federal Reserve? As fascinating and as improbable as it may seem, in 1898, a novel called Futility, a creation of Morgan Robertson, Detail the sinking of an unsinkable ship, <laughs> the largest vessel me, afloat. This imaginary ship, called Titan, collided with an iceberg during April, resulting in a high loss of life because the ship carried too few lifeboats. Fourteen years later, with uncanny similarities, the ship Titanic recreated what happened in the novel. The two ships had almost identical names. Both ships were designated unsinkable. Both were touted as the largest ships at sea. Both collided with icebergs in April. Both resulted in many deaths due to a shortage of lifeboats. Both had strikingly similar floor plans and technical descriptions. Benjamin Guggenheim, Isidore Strauss, the head of Macy's department stores, and John Jacob Astor, one of, if not the wealthiest man in the world at the time, were all killed when it sank. Those three men were the main opposition to the creation of the U.S. Fed. By April 1912, all opposition to the Federal Reserve was eliminated. In December 1913, the Federal Reserve was born, controlled by the elite banking cabal, whose ultimate agenda is to enslave humanity. Could all this be coincidence? I think we can no longer afford to believe in such illusions. Now, now here's the thing. I, as a rational person, I have to step back and go, well, it would make sense that rich people would be on the Titanic. Yeah. Because, you know... Rich people were on the Titanic. It was a special thing. Also, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that the iceberg was working for the Rothschilds. Yeah, but, but like, they made the iceberg. But I, but it is, it is interesting that there are, there are tie-ins to another disaster that led to a thing mm -hmm. that was a thing. Okay, it's, a, it's actually interesting that you brought up the Titanic because uh, there was a guy who actually. In church today, he he was talking about the Titanic, and he taught us a whole bunch of stuff I didn't even know. Like, first off, the crew, like, the captain messed up big time because everybody knew that there were icebergs there. So he he messed up big time for even being there. Well, maybe the, maybe the captain... Maybe there the was also huge insurance policies yeah, that were was, taken out on the Titanic. And, I mean, there was that book that was... Yeah, that well, they like, explained. The, the, yeah, yeah, there was you know, a video. Like, just, there was also another boat 
that, that was only f- the it, California. Yeah. It's the sister ship. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was people don't five know about. miles away that, that saw the distress and saw the Titanic, but the guy who didn't, he didn't get the SOS on the radio because he fell asleep. Yeah. And so they could have oh, saved everybody, man. but they, they, they messed up. I hate okay. those coulda, shoulda, wouldas. So, so now the, the, the Federal Reserve is created. Okay. Uh, Jack goes into the water. The old lady throws the diamond. The Federal Reserve is created. Okay. <laughs> So now here we are. Now you kind of go, okay, well, but if there are, you kind of have to go, well, if all, all, if all these, if there's all these central banks, right? If there's all these individual central banks, who regulates the Rothschilds that own this central, these, all these banks, who, who regulates this? If these banks are the banks of every country, who's the person that settles all these banks? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because it's a place called the Bank of International Settlements, which is essentially the central bank of central banks. It's based in Basel, Switzerland, and is the central bank for the eight families that control the world's wealth, including the Rothschilds. Wait, Switz- isn't that where everyone does like their offshore banking and stuff? Well, offshore banking would be meaning that they would do things offshore, yeah. like in the Cayman Islands or places like that, where they okay. have where you can hide revenue and you don't have to pay taxes on it. To be honest, I'm not 100% sure of why... Switzerland, it's, I'm guessing it's probably because they have relaxed tax laws and you can have things that don't, you know, because of some sort of, uh, I don't know, law somewhere that they can hide money there. Because a lot of people hide things in their Swiss bank accounts. You always hear, yeah. like in the old days, he has a Swiss bank account. Well, that probably means because he's hiding millions and millions and billions and trillions of dollars, right? So there's this thing called the, the Bank of International Settlements. Now, the Bank of International Settlements is owned by a collective of banks. Okay? It's owned by the Bank of England, the Bank of Canada, the Bank of Italy, the, the Bank of or the Swiss National Bank, the Nederlandsche Bank, and the Bundesbank, and the Bank of France, and the good old Federal Reserve. Mm. They own the Bank of International Settlements. They've been operating since 1931-32. This is a completely secretive, non-transparent organization that doesn't answer to fucking anyone. That doesn't make sense to me that the people that are supposed to, um, like, monitor the banks are owned by banks. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. because governments are owned by money. Right. (laughs) Jesus Christ. It's fucking exactly like if ISIS owned TSA. That's a fucking... Yikes. It's exactly what it is. Because if you think about it and you go, okay, again, all of you listening to this going, this seems outlandish. And you go, okay, what controls your life right now? And, and, and let's be fair. You're going to answer my, my heart. I control my life. No, you fucking don't. Money controls your life. Yeah. Because if you decided tomorrow you didn't want to go to work because you just had a fucking, you know, you're following your heart. Well, guess what? The bank's not going to understand that. Yeah. Your car payment's not going to understand that. The fucking store is not going to understand that. You need money. And you can't even grow your own food now. You can't even go have your own thing and have your own. It's got to be regulated. It's got to be this. And your, your milk has to be government, you know, approved. And you can't sell rum. You can't. So, no, you don't. The government fucking owns all the regulations, all the things that control everything that you need is controlled by money, which is controlled by the government. And if the government is controlled by people who control their money, then that's your answer. That's how this works. That's your answer. Okay? It's not about, it's not about anything else. It's that fucking simple. 
you either have money or you don't. You either need money or you're going to get it. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. what we do. We need money. And if you don't have money, what are you? You're one of these poor nations that what happens to you? Some people with money come in and they take your resources and they take your land and you're Africa. And you're this place where the people are just shit on because there's diamonds. And people pay them, can pay them five cents a day because to them that's fucking money. Yeah. But, but, but we all know it's not. And we can shit on poor people. We can shit on poor countries. We can shit all over the people. Because and guess what? When, you own, when you're worth $350 billion, everybody's poor. Everybody's yeah. a fucking ant to you. Yeah. There's no well, When you're the only one, literally, there's not even somebody who's second to you other than your brother. Right. Right. I mean, like I mean, that's... And, and it goes back to what the, he said in goddamn 1800s. If you control the money of a country, then it doesn't matter who's in charge. Like we said on last week's episode. It's probably why we have uh, Clinton and Trump right now. Well, but, they, they don't care. But <laughs> We got the money. But the fact well, is, well, same we're, thing, I mean, we're going to follow the trail through the presidential history. But the fact of the matter is, is that like we said last week when they talk, when we were saying we should get Obama in here and, I, and, and the comment came up, I don't remember who said it, that just because, uh, you know, you, you, you play Ronald McDonald doesn't mean they teach you the fucking recipe to the hamburgers. Yeah. You know, you're the face of a country or a president. Now he, for, you know, he, he's not ineffective. I'm not saying president doesn't do anything, but let's face it. He answers to people. The yep. president isn't the guy at the top. Like we going, said, he's only in there a minimum of four years, exactly. max eight. And I mean, there's like you said, Donald Rumsfeld has been in there for 30 years at this point. The CIA you guys, know, people who have years, been in there. Right. I mean, Congress and things like that, who can sit in the cabinet for 30 years. Right. I mean, there's that, that and, to me is and, like, there should be restraints on terms and, because, and, and they're, and they got money. They got all this money. Their, yeah. their campaigns have all this money. Yeah. They're funny. They get funding for their bill. All this money. Where's it coming from? Oh, d- rich, wealthy donors. That was whole thing that Bernie was going against. I don't want rich, wealthy donors. You know why? You know why he said that? Because if you give me $300 million, you want something. Yeah. Nobody gives yeah. that kind of money for free. So let's go back and go, well, a, a president could never be tarnished by the Rothschilds. A president could never be influenced by the Rothschilds or bullied by the Rothschilds. <laughs> or killed. Well. Or killed by the Rothschilds. Well, let's go through history and let's start. We all know that back in 1776, we declared our independence. Uh, well, in the year 1790, Alexander Hamilton, who was allegedly the Rothschilds man inside Washington cabinet, set up. The, the uh, central bank called the First Bank of the United States. It was set up uh, with a 20-year charter. Okay? Um, now, in, in 1811, the charter ran out, and Congress voted against its renewal. Now, a charter... Um, Danny, you, you knew about this. Well, can you explain what a it's, charter is for so people? It's so simple. I mean, like, it sounds like... Um it, it just couldn't possibly be that easy. I'm actually trying to find my page just so I don't make it up. Uh, it was, it, too. it was like like a I, okay, but essentially a bank charter is literally just a charter authorizing the operation of a bank. That's li- it's just basically it's just permission? you get permission. It's like a business license okay. for a bank. Um, a chartered bank is a financial institution whose primary roles are to accept and safeguard monetary deposits from individuals and organizations and to lend money out. Okay, so uh, so layman's terms. You get to be a bank for 20 years. Yep, if you're not doing we well, so. we can vote again. Or you, we don't and have that, to renew And I mean, I understand why you would kind of set a time restraint because if a, it kind of takes a bank a little bit of time to get on its feet and start doing well. Right. And likewise, you don't want to give it too much time if it's failing horribly. Exactly. 
Okay, so 1790 to 1810, there's your 20-year charter on the First Bank of the United States. In 1811, the charter ran out and Congress voted against its renewal. Now, apparently, this pissed off Nathan Meyer Rothschild. Okay, He was not happy about it and was quoted as saying, he was quoted as saying, either the charter will be renewed or the U.S. will find themselves, I'm sorry, he was quoted as saying, either the charter will be renewed or the U.S. will find themselves in a most disastrous war. That's one man who's not a fucking politician threatening an entire country. Okay, the... He, he threatened the United States with a war. Said, do this or you'll fucking find yourself in a war. And he lost that war. The fucker. U.S. didn't budge. Okay? <laughs> so Nate got even more pissed and was quoted uh, again as saying, teach those impudent Americans a lesson and bring them back to the colonial age. So in 1812, backed by Rothschild's money and on the orders of old pissed off Nathan, the British declare war on the United States. This became known as the War of 1812. The idea was to cause the U.S. to go into such a deep debt because of the war that they would be forced to tuck their tails and renew the charter. So okay. it was basically the whole, their whole game plan was make this war so he was, long he was just that a they giant bully. afford to do it anymore. Yeah. Oh, that's oh. so crazy. Yes, he bullied them into doing this. That, that sounds exactly the same way as a campaign. Oh, Hillary, you need to keep going because yeah. Bernie... Okay, well, he only has... $10 million. We can give you $500 million, which means that you can do a lot more and you can keep going longer and you can just outlast it. It's the same thing. Well, with, and that's a whole separate thing. I don't know if we'll even have time to get I, into it today. Sure, but, but it's if, the same exact thing of saying, look, we can just literally give you so much money to throw at a problem that it won't, the, the other side has to eventually go, we have to quit because we're broke. Yeah. And that, that to me, that is historically yeah. proving that they've done that, that they, they've literally tried to pressure the United States into quitting a war and, and kowtowing to them because of, they were broke. That's like the George Lucas movie, THX 1100, that guy escapes and they like start chasing him and they have to stop chasing him because they run out of money. That's the whole plot. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has seen that, but me. No, I haven't but actually ever like, seen that movie. It's a film and that's the whole plot. Well, maybe he was trying to say something. Now in 1816, okay. Uh, sorry, my note just went up. Okay, so in 1816, Congress passed a bill which allowed for another Rothschilds-controlled bank to gain control of the U.S. money supply. This was called the Second Bank of the United States because people were really awesome at naming banks back then. <laughs> uh, and this was also given a 20-year charter. Okay, so in 1810, it runs out. 1811, they say, nope. 1812, the Rothschilds start a war that goes to 1815. And in 1816, they start the second bank of the United States of America. Mm. This timeline doesn't have gaps. Okay. So now in 1816, uh, they're given this 30 year charter. So in, or I'm sorry, 20 year, 20 year charter. So in 1832, Andrew Jackson uh, ran for a second term on his entire platform was on the platform of gaining control of the economy from the second bank of America. Okay. So he actually, he actually ran his slogan for that campaign was Jackson and no bank. So Jackson, when he got elected, made good on his promise and started removing state deposits from the bank. Uh, that, uh, the, I'm sorry, started removing state deposits from the bank, which the Rothschilds uh, in turn allegedly retaliated against by causing a depression and ordering two failed assassination attempts on Jackson. So what Jackson did was go to the Second Bank of America, 
start taking out the deposits and putting them into banks that were run by Democratic bankers. And the Rothschild said, fuck that. Don't, you're not taking our money out of our banks. And so they caused a depression uh, by squeezing the amount of, of uh, once again, um, squeezing the amount of currency that went back into the system. And they tried to have, well, allegedly... Yeah. Well, but Andrew, Andrew, somebody tried to though, kill Andrew Jackson. He even said, though, he, I don't, I mean, I don't, obviously, I don't know if he was joking or not, but he was, he said, he's like, the banks are trying to kill he me. Said it to, mm-hmm. He said it to Martin Van Buren, yeah. his vice mm-hmm. president. That's right. But, and the, the assassin came up and tried to shoot him, and both of his pistols jammed. So, yes, yeah, somebody tried to kill Andrew yeah. Jackson. Now, whether or not it was a pissed off citizen that was pissed off on his own, or whether the Rothschilds, you know, ordered this assassination attempt, somebody tried to kill Andrew Jackson. So, uh, in, in 1836, 20 years after that, that charter came around, Jackson succeeded by finally throwing the Rothschilds out because the, uh, the charter for the second bank of the U S was not renewed. So now you're in, you're in 1836, you're 20 years back out. It was not renewed in 1841. President John Tyler vetoed the act to renew the charter for the bank of the United States, which resulted in him getting hundreds of letters threatening to kill him. Okay, so now, 20 years later, 1861, you have Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln's currently the president, and he actually was trying to get money. Now, think about this, you guys. He was trying to get money to help fight the Civil War. So he went to the big banks in New York to ask for money. Imagine Abraham Lincoln, the president of the United States, going into a big bank in New York and asking somebody who has this kind of wealth, can you please help me fight this war to save our country? So the, the banks, which were hugely influenced by the Rothschilds, said, sure, we'll give you the money at 24 to 36% interest. Jeez. The fucking banks looked at looked at Lincoln and said, "Fine, you can have your money, but it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you thirty six percent interest." So I've, I've never even heard that thirty six percent, right? So now Lincoln was like, "Fuck that," and he decides to print his own debt free money, and he tells American people, "This is legal tender. You now have your own money. It's debt free. You know, it's it's not you. We don't have to pay the the banks and all this." And by 1862, there was almost $450 million worth of Lincoln's debt-free money in circulation. And he was really proud of that. Like, he was actually, one of the things he was proud of is that he'd given the American people their own paper. Mm -hmm. Like you said, the paper didn't represent money. Mm -hmm. It was money. Now, it's interesting because in, in 1863... Which is right around, I mean, it's the, it's the year that Gettysburg was fought. It was a big year in the Civil War. Lincoln found out that Tsar Nicholas II from Russia was also having these problems with the Rothschilds, with the big banks. Because they, he, had, he had kind of kept refusing their attempts to send up a central bank in Russia. So Lincoln and Tsar Nicholas II actually connected on this issue and said, you know, oh, oh, well, I have an ally. We're both being fucked by these banks. And Nicholas actually, and I never knew about this, actually said, you know what? I'll give you, I'll back you up. He said that if the British or uh, if Britain or France, any of the big money, intervened on behalf of the South in the American Civil War, that Tsar Nicholas would have considered it a direct threat of aggression 
against Russia. I didn't know that. I didn't know Russia had Lincoln's back in the Civil War, so much so that Nicholas actually sent part of his Pacific fleet to two different ports, one in San Francisco and one in New York, in case Lincoln needed Russian back. Well, I thought at one point Great Britain thought about helping. Or like They had ships there or something like that. Like Other countries did come in, but then... Obviously, it wasn't like a big enough role to talk about or, or anything like that. Yeah, I but. mean, it, I didn't even, I, I kind of thought that's why it was the Civil War. Yeah. You know, I there's a lot of things I didn't know. And I'm sure there's a lot of Civil War history that we don't necessarily even understand or we'll even get have time to crack it. Oh, I just know what color their uniforms were. That's all, the, <laughs> the extent of my Civil War knowledge. Now, Lincoln in 1865, uh, in a letter to Congress, had made a made a quote that said something along the lines of I have two great enemies the south at my front and the banks at my back and of both of these enemies the one at my back scares me the most so Lincoln was more afraid of the financial institutions than he was of his of his own war that he was fighting well if you've met anyone from the south or you don't really have to worry about anyone down there but two months later after <laughs> I have met a banker <laughs> two months later after Lincoln wrote that uh, letter he was killed by John Wilkes Booth and again we're not going to get into the details of the Lincoln assassination but there's a lot of conspiracy around that of who ordered it who John Wilkes Booth was working with who helped him get I mean, out of think Washington think about JFK he didn't want to have anything to do with Cuba right we're going to get to JFK but along the lines in in 1881 President James Garfield okay so now Lincoln's killed in 1865. Right around 20 years later, President James Garfield, who only lasted 100 days before being assassinated, uh, he was killed actually in uh, 1881, September of 1881, where he was shot at a railroad station, was quoted as saying, whoever controls the volume of money in our country is absolute master of all industry and commerce. And when you realize that the entire system is very easily controlled one way or another by a few powerful men at the top, you will not have to be told how periods of inflation or depression originate. Meaning that a couple guys sitting around in a thing can control an entire nation. Uh, Grover Cleveland, in 1895, uh, JP, the J.P. Morgan's family, who was tied heavily in with London and the Rothschilds, teamed up with the London banks to actually go to war on the U.S. dollar. The idea was to force the U.S. off the gold standard by using all of the wealth that the Rothschilds had to buy up all of the gold that was backing the U.S. dollar. Now, if they had done that, then our, our money would have been worth nothing and our economy would have collapsed. Grover Cleveland met with the banks at the height of this crisis, and they basically told him that they demanded to control the U.S. debt, and if they weren't given control, they would wreck the dollar, crash the economy, and begin a depression, which would have devastated the United States, so Cleveland surrendered. In 1913, Woodrow Wilson signed into being the Federal Reserve, which, uh, again, is a privately owned institution and uh, one of the main shareholders in the Federal Reserve. Anybody? Rothschild. <laughs> Rothschilds. Then we get Got up to, it. then we get up to, <laughs> then we get up to Kennedy. Exactly what you were saying. A lot of people believe, and there's so many different things, but if you kind of go, well, if Kennedy was killed by the CIA or if Kennedy was killed by our government, well, now we're going a little broader out and going, well, if our government's controlled by a few people at the top and they can't really kill a president without asking permission from the people who control your money, then you kind of go, well, if all of this is true, then they kind of have to be involved, right? And, and like you were saying, 
uh, a lot of people believe that that was the first attempt to try to take over Cuba. Right? The Cuban Missile Crisis. So now, uh, we, now here's the thing about Kennedy, too. On June 4th of 1963, he signed an executive order. Executive Order 11110 which gave the U.S. government back the ability to issue currency without having to go through the Federal Reserve. That was signed in on June 4th of 1963. Five months later, Kennedy was killed. Now, there was probably a lot of things he did five months in. So, Like Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Ooh, uh... <laughs> uh so, so now we kind of have, have kind of caught up to modern times, okay? We've, we've talked about what happened in the early 2000s. We know what, what happened with Bush. We know what happened with Afghanistan and Iraq. We know what happened in Northern Africa. And we talked about Obama earlier. We talked about, about Obama. opening up with Cuba. So here we are now. We go, okay, is anything going to change? Well, apparently, Lynn Forrester de Rothschild, who is the current wife of Evelyn de Rothschild, is... Apparently pretty damn chummy, almost BFF status with Hillary Clinton. In, in the recent email leaks that came out of Hillary Clinton's campaign, it was shown that her and uh, Evelyn de Rothschild email back and forth like they're 13-year-old schoolgirls. Hey, hey, can't wait to see you. Let's hang out <laughs> Little soon. Little smiley faces yeah. over all the eyes. <laughs> so, And there's pictures of, of the Clintons with the Rothschilds. The Clintons have their, their foundations, their, their big uh, you know, donors that come through, the anonymous donors and I stuff th- like I this. I think what's crazy, like to me, because they've been around for so long, like they seem almost like, like mysterious, like Bigfoot. So the idea that somebody that you see on TV every day like rubs elbows with them, like is crazy. It's hard for my mind to wrap around that. That they're like real people that you could like, like if I ran into somebody like, oh, I'm a Rothschild. would be like, what the, f-? like it'd be like seeing Bigfoot for me based off all these stories that we've talked about. The funny thing is, it's exactly that. Like it, it, it doesn't even sound real. She, um, Lynn Forrester, met her husband, the, you know, Evelyn Rothschild. They were actually introduced by Henry Kissinger at a Bilderberg group retreat. So like that's like the Illuminati of the Illuminati yeah. of the Illuminati. It's like Henry Kissinger from saying, "Hey, are two people." Yeah. At the Bilderberg Group. I mean, it's it's absolutely insane. So, you know, so now you're going, okay, we're going into an election where where a woman has had un, unlimited resources, unlimited funding, enough so that she could force out other options, enough so that she could kind of just assume that this was going to be hers. She's friends with the people who control the money at the top. Uh, you know, Evelyn, Evelyn de Rothschild has stated he wants a one world currency. We were a couple countries away from them literally controlling every bank in the world. And they're, they're pushing and pushing and funding and funding for their good friend to once again get into the White House. Now, I can't believe I'm even saying this, but I kind of just hope North Korea just keeps being North Korea, you know, so that we can't. <laughs> so that the, they can't have yeah, all the banks. Like I just, yeah, like I can't even believe I have to say that, but I'm just like, just keep being yourself, North Korea. Yeah, Don't you, change you thing. kind of almost want to have people. If, you need to almost out. have two yeah. levels of evil. It's like one, you know, a lesser like evil to fight the yeah. other. Yeah, it's like. What if Rodman's the Rothschild's inside guy for North Korea? Dennis Rodman. It's like, you know, you should have all the same money as you know, everybody else. Here's the, scariest, here's the scariest thing about it, right? 
there's a, there's a line that says that history is written by the people who win the wars, right? If you do something, you know, we've talked about that. What do they teach you about 9-11 in schools? What do they teach you about this? I have no idea. And, Eric says they don't. Right. They don't teach history anymore. Yeah, they don't teach right? history why, in why, why do we need to learn about things that happened? Uh, if it's not on YouTube, it doesn't matter. Just I don't even understand the rationality behind it. Well, that. my thing is that if 9-11 was not real, then that to me is more interesting of why we wouldn't be taught about it. Because right. I, it, deciding how are we going to tell this lie right. to these kids. But I mean, but you know? some history is better than no history. I don't know. I don't understand it. But the fact is, is that there are, you know, people out there who say that, that a lot of this came from these wars. And in fact, the Bank of International Settlements was actually set up out of the reparations that Germany had to pay from being blamed for starting and losing World War One. They had to pay billions and billions of dollars and they couldn't. So what they ended up doing was people got pieces of Europe. All these different people got it. And, and these institutions were set up out of these out of the outcomes of wars, out of the outcome of conflict. And once again, we're going into a situation where they're going to have a direct line, almost this time a more friendly direct line, a cell phone even, texting. Hey, boo. Private server emails. Yeah. And it's and 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 you kind of realize that if if you need millions, you know, it's a, it's another thing that Bernie Sanders said. If you need hundreds of millions of dollars to be able to run for president, then only a few people are ever going to be able to do that, right? I yeah. couldn't do it. Private citizens couldn't do it. Those of us who want to change the system couldn't do it. In order to change the system, you have to be part of the system. You have to have the money in order to change yeah. the money. And then you don't want it to change. Right. So you kind of you kind of get to a position where you kind of have to look at both sides and go, well, and you had an interesting point that like, if you had the money, then you would kind of feel the same way about it. I mean, yeah, I, I guess I, there's a couple ways you can look at it. If I kind of went through like all the levels of emotions when I learned about the Rothschilds, you know, going from complete anger, feeling like how can one family have all this money and I want to take it back from them. And if I, you know, then I'll have all the money and then I'm going to redistribute it. So it's fair to everyone, you know, and then I really started thinking about it and I was like, okay, well, even if I did distribute it to every single person fairly, I gave every single person $50,000, then you have every individual's potential, good or bad. So you have what someone will do with that $50,000 versus what another would do. And it really wouldn't be that long before the whole system is back to being shit. And I'm going, all right, now what do I have to do to clean this up? And so I guess in the end, I kind of want to be a Rothschild, right? I mean, because you kind of, you almost you become one. You, yes, right? you have to, you have to get your hands dirty. Like that's just the only way that these things work, especially when you're in. And if you're a family that has that much control, you cannot look weak. You can never look weak for a second. You have to look like you are the big bad monster that no one can overtake or, you know, get any of the power back from. So I don't know. There's, there's ways you can look at it. Uh, I don't think that wars and, and, you know, mass death is necessary. Yeah. And I guess really on the other end of it, I'm just going, I hope I'm not at the place that they're deciding to make a statement at. You know, I hope I'm not in the World Trade Towers. I hope I'm not One of the at, eggs that uh, need to get broken. Yeah, there's the a whole omelet. bunch of things I can say, you know, right. or we, that we think are false flags, but it's I, true. And, and I, I, I would I just, like to get into that. In fact, I think maybe maybe next time. No, or, that's what I'm saying. That's why I didn't say any of it. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm saying there's a whole that's bunch a of good, places that I could go. I hope I'm never part of this because right. I don't think it was real. I think it was a political ploy or I think it was done to gain political favors or, you know, a gun whatever it is, gun control, right. any of those things. So... And when you ask these questions, everybody out there, when you go, 
you know, when it, when it comes to things like false flags or, or these conspiracy theories, right? This isn't like, like money doesn't equal Bigfoot or ghosts. You know what I mean? Those, those things kind of will exist on their own. These things you kind of can qualify as being real because you go, well, look, in order to do these things, you go, how, how, how would you be able to do that? How would you be able to pull that off? You have Money. to truthfully ask yourself and, and as a person and even with a good heart, you know, like I have a pretty sound head on my shoulders. But like I said, I kind of look at it rationally and I go, I'd almost have to do it that way. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and, and what would it take? would take money and if you have all the money in the world and nothing will ever affect you think about that like we were talking about that in the sense that like if you had that kind of money then you're born into a world where you'll never have to worry about a meal or a gas over your head or or you just come out and you're like here's billions of dollars food will always be here clothes will always be here you never have to worry about any of those things so all you literally have to worry about is making more money Mm -hmm. It's not even something people yeah, like Yeah, it's us like they say, comprehend. like idle hands, right? I mean, so there's these people who are so wealthy that they almost become bored and they have to start inventing, uh, I don't know, right. new new ways of living, meaning taking over the world, I guess. But I guess I, if I don't you know, have that, that much money, pretty... you know, you, you have to, you, you look at it exponentially and you go, well, mm-hmm. if I have a million dollars, I walk into the club like I'm a baller. Well, if I have a hundred trillion dollars, I walk into the United States or the the, the United Nations and go... Hey, I'd, I'd like that country. You know, I'll take, I'll take Africa. I'll take that, you know, rather than I'll take that car. I mean, think about that. If you have money, what are you going to spend it on? What are you going to own? What are you going to control? It, it just, it doesn't, it's not that far-fetched. Like we're not nope. presenting something that's If I had that money, crazy. like I said, I wish I did have money that I could ensure food and water for myself, uh, an infinite supply and Forever no one could take from ever. me. Yeah. And what would you have? You'd build a goddamn airport and you'd build yeah. a, a stronghold and you'd build, yeah. I, would I would for build sure a, build an airport. I'd build a goddamn <laughs> concrete bunker and I would fill it. Exactly. See, we all want to be Rothschilds. Exactly. We do. Because, right. I mean, we all want to protect ourselves. We all want to have the most power and, and know that we have it for forever. Right. And nothing can threaten it. I mean, that's literally our waking dream. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I like, don't want to have, I don't want to kill people. Right. I don't want to do those things. Um, but you got to remember, there's always good and bad people that are going to exist in the world. So, and at the same time, though, if you had that kind of money and you had water, and you were like, "Man, if, boy, if 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 some of those people," and to be honest, we're we're not without being too serious about it. All of us can probably go, "Yeah, well, we could probably lose a few of those people." You know, and, and uh, some, I'm not gonna make any comments on that. Well, I would say that if shit was going bad, I would go. You know what? I don't give a fuck. I'm going up into my bunker in the right. mountains, and I'm hiding where I have my fresh, clean water and all right. my food. You guys can destroy yourselves, and that's. I mean, that's kind of how I feel <laughs> right now. I'm just we're like, at, we're like, fuck <laughs> it, destroy yourselves. Like, I don't give a shit. That's but, how I feel right but now. I mean, so, from where you know. we're from, where we're standing down at the bottom of the mountain, we're all kind of like, you know what? If all those rich one percenters, all those rich bankers, all those people who can defraud the government, defraud the American people, give themselves bonuses, increase the the price of an EpiPen so they can give themselves a forty million dollar bonus, and fuck the little kid who needs his his medication, the people who can make these kind of decisions, make these false flags, and make us go to war and send these. People People, I'd be fine with those motherfuckers being gone. But then at the same time, I'm feeling like then I'd be the dictatorship kind of mentality too. And so you can hope that the world kind of ends up getting along with each other and that we all believe and, and put ourselves on an even playing field. But at the same time, it seems like for hundreds and hundreds of years, it's always been this way. 
And it is this way. And it will be this way because it's been this way since it was this way. It was this way before America was a country. It's this way before America was was what it was today. And it's probably because of how it is that we, that we are where we are. So it's either a great blessing or a horrible curse or something in between. And I guess that all depends about the intentions of the people at the top. Well, it depends on where you lie in, uh, <laughs> these, you in these standings. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, if you're a Rothschild, shit <laughs> is looking pretty good for yeah, you right now. <laughs> yeah, if you're on the other end of that... I'm shit. I don't have that kind. Someone sent me a pizza. I ain't got that kind of money. Yeah. Someone sent me a pizza. I mean, they could change my life with $100,000. You know what I mean? Right. And that's like, they probably have that in their coin purse. They probably use that to fucking light their kindling fires yeah. at Christmas time. <laughs> Bring me some it's of those It's time Benjamin. for the annual burning of a million dollars, everyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, really, like, I say that joking. Like, I, you know, I, I would love to have somebody hand me some money. But truthfully, they could literally turn around and erase the world's debt and fix every single country and change the entire global economy and not put a dent. I mean, they wouldn't even have to give away half of the money that they have. And they would still be the richest family in the world with the most money and have the most control. Right. I mean, that I guess that's what bothers me the most is that there's more that they could be doing and they're not in, in the sense of good. So, you know, it's, it, I'm not mad at them from being there. I just wish that their priorities were aligned a little more with humanity. That's a brilliant way to say that. And I, I, I 100% agree with you. I, I think that that's a perfect place to, uh, to end. Um, I wish we could have covered more. There's so much more on the Rothschilds. Maybe we can delve back into it in like a, yeah. another part episode. But Get more, a little more specific. Yeah, because there was a lot more, you know, like with the history of how you can almost tie him to most major events in history and yeah. how that would be a ploy to gain political control or money or the, you know, the power of a central of bank. So right. um, maybe we'll touch on that another time to yeah, give we, you some we, more information. It, there's so much on them. And I mean, you'll you'll find more for yourself when you look them up, but. We'd like to be able to give you a little bit more if we could. Yeah, it's, maybe down it, the line. It's hard to like. It's hard to to just throw so much information at you guys. So, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's it, it, and you know we were talking about this too before before we kind of finish up. It's kind of interesting that like a lot of the people that they had issues with throughout history are the people that are on our money. Yeah, you know. Yep. I mean Jackson, Lincoln, Washington and- left. He was like, fuck, they came over here. They, yeah. You know. And like you said, I know that maybe they're mocking. Maybe they're bragging. Maybe they're saying. Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, Jackson. Yeah, it is uh, interesting Hamilton. why you would do that. But yeah, putting so, it's almost like putting your enemy's face on, so, you know, your flag. So maybe next time you guys pull a bill out of your wallet. Next time you spend money. Think about where it comes next time from. you get taxed ne- like a motherfucker. Tax. Next time you look at your check. Next time you... Next time you do anything, realize that, that unfortunately, that's what kind of makes our world go round. And it seems like there's a few people at the very top that are in charge of spinning it. And so read up, understand what's going on, understand what measures you can take to educate yourself, uh, I don't even know. Maybe if we think can... about an uh, off-the-grid lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe become a doomsday Look into prepper. some tents. Yeah. Maybe collect rainwater. <laughs> I don't know what the solution is. Because if you if you live a lifestyle where you need money, yep. you're part of it. I know. So unless we're all going to go and live off, like you said, off the grid and burn our fingerprints and, off our hands. Yeah, I know. And just it's, be those yeah, people. Yeah. Hopefully, um, the Rothschilds 
Well, hey, did we ever ask who's funded the uh, building of the Area 52 facility? Because we just kind of showed up and it was... Oh, and it was here. Uh-oh, I hope that... Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> well, I will say this. If the Rothschilds are in charge of this, then uh, you probably won't end up hearing this, so... Uh... Oh, I did hear, uh, while I was looking just real quick because we talked about it, I did learn that the murals that were inside the Denver airport match uh, kind of the artistic style of some of the ones that are inside the Bank of America, the Rothschilds Bank of America. So there's murals that are inside there that have those really creepy uh, kind of almost predictions in the uh, art. Really interesting stuff. So there's some murals so that are inside the Bank of the Rothschilds and, Bank of America. And talk about the Denver Airport. Yeah, I kind of there's so much going on with that. Like I feel like Denver Airport's going to be its own thing. I feel like we kind of I've got articles on articles on it. So let's okay. So let's Let's focus on that for next time we're going to talk about. I, w- I would like to get into that, some false yeah. flags, yep. what this all means, and kind of make this almost like a like a. See if we can connect part. the dots on yeah. a couple of these things for yeah. you. I'd, I'd really like that. So I guess this is kind of part one of our Money Makes the World Go Round yeah. uh, conspiracy theory. When it rains, it pours. P-O-O-R-S. Oh. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. Come on. Man, that was good. Oh, it was good? Yeah, oh, I not, thought you guys were no, going to make fun of me. That oh, was pretty okay. good. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh. Oh. I liked it. When it. But is it rains like when it rains? Yes, it pours, like when there, right? yes, when it rains, it pours like the poor people. But, yeah. Well, now now I don't know what we're going to call it because I might, that, that's a great episode <laughs> name for this episode. Oh, we'll thanks. call it that. I was going to call it Rothschild's Play. Oh, that's good but too. I think I like, like that. a little creepy Chucky doll with a triangle on his <laughs> overalls. Yeah. <laughs> Illuminati Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, you guys. Well, he can stab you with a, a tax document. <laughs> Tax dog. He, you, know, like, you know what he does? He taxes yeah. you to the floor. Yeah, yeah. He just taxes you to death. Yeah. <laughs> it's a slow death. There's only two things. And death then he charges you interest on your coffin. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. All right. Well, you guys, this has been this has been a lot of. Uh, well, it's. It, I don't know. These ones aren't that. I mean, they're fun to talk. I love doing yeah. this, but it's it's really kind of you walk out of here and you go. Ew. Yeah. <sighs> I hope you got it all. We are going to have a pop quiz. Yeah. Next. So study. Next up. episode. <laughs> I want you guys to go out. Like I said, do do your own research. Uh, look into this. Form your own opinions. There's a lot out there. Um, you know, believe what you want to believe. Back who you want to back. But do the research first. Okay. Uh, Eric, Danny, anything before we get out of here? I currently have four dollars in my wallet. And I'm not a Rothschild. <laughs> You're a you're a redheaded Rothschild. <laughs> you're a steps child, uh, Danny. Oh, I just wanted to say thank you to our producer Sasha. He brought me in the most amazing chair for this episode. Yeah, you've been you've been just chilling in that comfort, chair. Comfort, straight comfort. Thank you, Sasha. Sasha's the man. Uh, once again, uh, check out all the great podcasts on the Earhole Media Network. Um, there's a lot of other great content on there. Uh, I do uh, another podcast, one uh, with a, a uh, fellow comedian, uh, radio personality, uh, Guy Seidel and Alan Handy. It's great. A lot of music and movies and stuff like that. You can find that on iTunes. Same place you can find us, Dirt Pod. Just search that on iTunes. Find us on Google Play, Stitcher, or always you can go find us all and listen directly at earholemedia.com. Thank you so much. See you next time. <laughs> Everybody's gonna pay. 
Mr. Million Dollar Man. Always, it's his way. <laughs>